Back to the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5. The show name is a reference to how many great Astros' last name begin with the letter B, who were playing back in the 90s when they were not winning World Series. Bagwell, Biggio, Barry, Bell, and eventually Berkman. You might not remember Barry and Bell, but trust me, you remember Blank and Brenham. Here they are now, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios. He's Blank, I'm Branham. Joe George sounds different than he did a moment ago. We are the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. I love our listeners. Uh, 2013, Astros still need to get an extra bat or two because they always get someone to get hurt, need insurance players. I agree. I agree. They're not acting like a championship team or a team that wants to win a championship. But Crane doesn't want to spin more into the competitive balance sacks. And then 1368 says it's football season. So I don't know how he's going to feel about this segment. Uh, Rockets suck again. They lost their third game in a row, falling to the Hawks at home yesterday, 134-127. to They trailed early, down by 10 points after the first quarter. Uh, came all the way back, had a strong third quarter, took the lead, and then had a disastrous fourth quarter. We're brutal in the fourth quarter. Rockets lost three straight. They stink again. Why do they stink again, Blinkers? I think there's a couple of different things to look at. I think just from what we saw last night, learn how to stop the high pick and roll and the lob. I mean, the fact that Alpie got benched because at a certain point it got so sickening that to start the fourth quarter, the barrage of lobs that just kept beating them over the top, giving Atlanta easy baskets, was frustrating for any Rockets fan to watch, whether they were there in the building or in your, on your couch ready to throw a remote. Like, this is basketball. It's pretty simple. Just play it a different way, drop down. Alpi wasn't doing anything. They got used that way. Offensively, you and I have pointed out for the last week or so that they just haven't run the same offense and looked the same offensively. Last night, it looked like they were trying to appease Jalen Green, almost like they were listening to the show yesterday, spinning off our conversation. Well, how can we get Jalen Green to be more effective? Well, let's put the ball in his hands more. Let's let him try and do some facilitating. I saw him get caught in the air. I saw him get inside but only think about his that kind of takes them out of that offense that has been working with Van Vliet and running it through Alpi and doing the kind of things that have made them a pretty successful team offensively and I think right now they've just kind of hit a speed bump and it's like before the wheels fall I'm not saying the wheels are falling off or that they suck it's just that it's starting to be more noticeable where where some of their weaknesses are and I have no idea why they're looking so different offensively. Yeah, I think everybody points to the uh, the Jalen Green thing. Uh, anytime that you can you know, bang, beat up on the Rockets a little bit, you're beating up on Jalen Green, people in general. Uh, didn't It wasn't good yesterday. You, you could tell that they were trying to get him more involved, which I think is a good thing. Like mm-hmm. I think you kind of have to at this point. You have to try to you know, live or die with him uh, to, to, you know, not, not to an extreme, but for at least close to an extreme, to just kind of try to figure out what you got. Uh, he, he's looked... In his three years, this is as worst as he's looked. Uh, I saw somebody on uh, Twitter today post some videos of like him in the last ten days taking shots, and he's missing badly. Like he's he's clanking it off the side of the backboard. He's airballing he several airballs last night. Yeah, it's it's weird, and like I don't remember. Like he's never he hasn't been a good shooter over the course of his career, but it hasn't been this awful. So I pulled the numbers on it in the last uh, since the San Antonio game. I think it's the last five games. Um, could be wrong on that by a game or two, but since the San Antonio game. Jalen Green shooting 30%. That's Overall? awful. Overall? 
From the floor? From the floor. He's 30% from the floor, which is awful for a guy who's supposed to be your best scoring perimeter guy. He's 29% from three. Mm. Like, you can't be that poor of a shooter and be counted on to be a high-level scorer. Now, he is streaky. Uh, He is somebody that last year at the age of 20, uh, he averaged over 20 points a game. I still think he's very talented in all of those things. Uh, Hopefully he can figure it out. This coaching staff can bring the best out of him because right now he's going through it. You can tell that the confidence isn't there. Uh, his, he's not comfortable with his shot. His shot is broke, it looks like. Not that the form's bad. He's just missing badly. Right. Um, you know, Some of the things that you mentioned, too, like to me is a confidence thing. Like Going to the rim, it seems like he has like this one-track mind instead of just letting the game come to him and play. Like He, he gets the ball at times, and you're like, okay, well, he's going to go try to take the rim off the bat, like the backboard, and he bulldozes over a guy and draws a charge. Or he'll have a moment where, like, okay, I see the path is clear. I'm going to attack the rim. All of a sudden, he slings up a reverse layup because a rim protector is there. He's he's almost like he's making his mind up before he actually does it. Like there's no flow, there's no rhythm to his game right now. Well, no, and and, and again because I don't believe he's totally bought into the system either. And it's the only system that he knows has been isolation basketball and him being the go-to focal point of an offense with the ball in his hands. And if you look at his high school and you look at his G League and you look at what he did under Silas. The reason why he looks so bad is because this is all like this is like trigonometry for like a a guy that has only been used to running, you know, math mm-hmm. a, a very simplistic way. And all of a sudden saying, hey, now go excel the same way you were killing it in addition, subtraction, multiplication and division. He he's his head is scrambled because of the fact that yep. this is the first time that he isn't just getting the ball and allowed to ISO and do things his way. And also because on, under the, that same vein, when He's played his entire career under the premise that I'm the scorer. I'm the man that needs to put the ball in the basket. And when you see him on the fast break, even the one that people were trying to give him credit for late where they were making that last push, he got caught in the air. He turned his back. He very well could have taken a charge Mm -hmm. and just lucked out that Brooks was trailing the play and he dumped it back for a bucket. That's a horrible look. That's a bad decision that turned out well, but you don't get extra credit for that. He just looks like he is in a he, he is like completely blindsided by what's going on and he can't fit in right now. Yeah, I agree with you on that play. He was out of control. He was kind of a hell mary that yep. oh he was just slinging and there's Dylan Brooks trailing the play. Thank goodness. Um, I, I, like you're gonna have to like kind of break down his game and then hope you can rebuild him. It's almost like a golfer who's lost his swing. Where like you know he's incredibly talented, but right now he's broken, and you're gonna have to let him play through the broken part until he can something clicks and then he can figure it out. Hopefully that's coming. But Jeremy, the difficult part about that is it's the game within the game, right? Because you were winning ball games when you were playing with the best offense for this entire squad. But now, because you want to get him going, because there's a focus on trying to get Jalen to be a bigger part of this whole big picture thing that they're building here it's like they're taking a step back when they've been playing so well to try and hopefully take two forward later by getting a talented player involved but how long are you willing to do that I'm willing to do that the whole year uh, the, to me this is year one of Ime Adoka this isn't a year that you're chasing a title uh, no to me, and, and for me it's like for me whenever you're built like going through a rebuild and you're building up an organization and we've talked about this with the Texans and we talked about it yesterday with Nick Casario and we've talked about it in Houston with Jeff Luno like Right now, the Rockets' goal is trying to maximize their ceiling. 
when Jeff Luno took over the Astros, his goal was to maximize the ceiling of the Astros in X amount of time. Same thing with Casario. We have to maximize our ceiling in X amount of time. It's the same thing with the Rockets. The Rockets have to, like, this year is about maximizing their ceiling. And then once you're in the, you know, in a season where you're actually a contender, that's when you're worried about that kind of stuff. I, I would argue that the Rockets this year, with year one of Ime, with, with this roster that's still very, very young, like, this isn't a championship roster. This is a, a fringe playoff roster at best, Mm -hmm. I would say that it's by far in the best long-term interest to take two steps back with Jalen Green if it it works in the long run. I just, I don't think, and and I've never said that this is a championship caliber team. This is a team that uh, when we did projections, I was in the, I think the, at the most. Yeah, no one's saying that you said that. Yeah, but when I look at this, I'm saying they were playing a really good brand of offensive basketball. They had a system. They had something that was working in place. Alpi, I don't think it's any surprise, has kind of taken a, a couple of steps back in the last week, too, where he hasn't looked the same because he was excelling by being more of a facilitator. So when you're, when you're playing this game within the game, I'm not willing to do that the whole year because I think you owe it to the rest of the roster to still run an offense and create a structure that gives you your best chance to succeed offensively. You can do this until you can kind of figure out a lot of things about Jalen Green And you can also do it kind of the way they did it previous to what I've seen recently, which is in the course of a game in the third quarter when he had the big third quarter. If he gets it rolling at any point in the middle of a game, then you can can adjust on the fly and say, hey, we're going to roll with this for a while. Let's keep putting it in Jalen's hands. He's hot. He's doing things the right. The shot's falling. But to kind of start the game with it now or to try and, you know, intentionally just focus on getting him going, I think at a certain point, you owe it to the rest of the team to run the structure that's successful for everybody. Yeah, I mean, uh, to me, it's a big picture year. It's not a try to optimize the team for one game. Like it, to me, it's all about bringing up the ceiling for this team. And for the Rockets to achieve their ceiling, they're going to have to have Jalen Green be good, even if it means trading Jalen Green. Because if Jalen Green's good and then you trade him, you're getting more of a return. If it's this Jalen Green, you're not getting a return. So I think in the best interest long term for the Rockets, they have to figure out. Jalen Green, even if you trade him someday. And I'm willing to sacrifice a couple of games in year one of Ime Adoka, whatever they're an average roster, uh, to try to achieve that, to try to try to achieve getting the most out of Jalen Green, who's, who has the skill of being a very, very good scorer. I mean, you know, 20-year-olds don't average 20 a game very often. Uh, you mentioned the Alpi Shingun thing. Yeah, I mean, his defense yesterday was atrocious. Yep. Uh, they were uh, they were sliding those pick and rolls, and he just couldn't adjust. Like, they weren't setting the screens. They were just sliding. And he had trouble stopping it for whatever reason. And Ime took a timeout to try to fix it and left Alpi in the game and couldn't fix it. So that was weird. That was troubling. Uh, the Hawks absolutely took advantage of that. Uh, Ryan Holland says man parts a lot. Have you noticed that? <laughs> yeah. He says man parts On a lot. On the Dylan Brooks file, yeah. And then, look, uh, I guess it's hard to talk about the good things whenever you lose a game. Jabari Smith was fantastic. Yep. And look, I, I know that you're not going to have the shooting game that Jabari Smith has every single night. Uh, I know that he's not going to get to the free throw line 14 times every single night. They don't even draw plays up for Jabari, really. The, the most that they'll draw up for him is a little pick and pop. Like that, That's the most that they'll draw up for Jabari Smith. But what I really like, the rebounds, 13 rebounds, awesome. Mm-hmm. He had four blocks yesterday, yeah. too. Like a little bit of a rim protector, Jabari Smith. I uh, like that. Aside from him giving himself the nickname the Locksmith on his defense, He's capable of playing that defense every night. It was nice to see his offensive outburst. Van Vliet's been playing very well, too, especially of late, and really becoming the guy that you wanted him to be, and I think Adoka wanted him to be when they brought him in here. 
I think the two things that you and I have touched on in the past that continue to be a glaring weak, uh, weakness for me that they might want to look to address is they have no outside shooters that teams respect. They don't have guys that could just stop and pop or spot up and pop. And, and so that when you have the ability to break guys down like several guys on this roster, when you kick it out, there's not a whole lot of guys that the other team respects enough to say, you look at Atlanta, Atlanta has shooters in multiple ways coming at you last night. And that you got a barrage of that early just because they just kept making open shots and threes. And I don't think that the Rockets have enough good shooters on that squad. And the other thing is, other than Jabari, they need a rim protector. Because when you take Alpi out of the game, it's one thing. But then you get compromised because do you have a, a, a longer, stronger guy that come in that understands it more, that can break up the alley-oops and get down low and, and protect the rim? Jock Londale ain't it, and yeah, they Jabari need something. I think Jabari could be it. Like Jabari's not going to be a great defensive five, but he can de- he can defend that. He can defend that high pick and roll, and he did once they they benched Alpi. You know, like he's not probably not your answer forever, but I think he can be your answer in those moments. But and overall, he, he was yesterday depth wise, it just it showed me again that you got a guy because he's spending a lot of energy on the offensive end too. But Jabari's capable in small doses of doing that. I don't think physically, I think it's tougher for him physically to do that all game, but you went out and spent free agent money on a guy that's given you absolutely nothing. And you need a, you could use an extra big bodied guy yeah. I mean, I that could disagree. go between the four and the five. I think Jabari's a four, not a five, right? Like he could be, he could be a small ball five on occasion. It's not full time. And you're right. I mean, Lando doesn't seem to be a great signing, but it wasn't cheap. Like, I mean, or it was, cheap. It was you cheap. got him on a one year deal. It was really a four year deal, but the, the final three are non guaranteed. So whatever uh, Jabari, very, we talk about the uniqueness of his game. I pulled some numbers on this. Jabari's averaging 8.8 rebounds a game. He's shooting 37% from three. There's only three players in the league that shoot the three at a higher clip than Jabari and average more rebounds. Scotty Barnes, Valanciunas, and Sabonis. Shows you the uniqueness of Jabari's game. Look, I think right now I'm more encouraged about the continued upside of Jabari than I am Jalen because Jabari's bought in. Jabari accepts when he gets sat down. Jabari's not forcing the action as much when he doesn't touch the ball or get his points. But Jabari brings a skill set to the table that whether he's a superstar ever or not, because he's playing in the system the right way, uh-huh. he's a guy that fits. Yeah, he's, I think, a, he, he's a good fit for this team. I, I love Jabari's game. Now, I don't think Jabari's a top-two player, though. And Jabari right. doesn't have the scoring prowess of Jalen, even though Jalen's struggling. And that's what I'm talking about. Like, for this team to reach its ceiling, I think that they have to figure out Jalen Green. Because you're, you're going to end up, if, you, if he doesn't, if he doesn't meet his ceiling, then I, you're seriously lacking a perimeter score, and you're not going to be able to get on the trade market what you need. I think for this team to be like a championship core, Jalen Green's going to have to be a really good perimeter score. He's going to have to be. Or you're not going to have a championship core. I, I think it's that simple. Yeah, no, look, and I wasn't on the – I don't know that they have a championship core now, no matter what they do going forward, but I think that you're right. You have to either figure out a value for Jalen Green. if it, it, Your best-case scenario is because you used such a high draft pick on him that he ends up finally figuring it out, buying into the system, and he becomes the player that you drafted him to be. But you also have to figure out if he's not, are there te- can he do enough and can you get him right enough so that other teams find a good value in him so that at least you get something for him that helps you to continue to get better, even if it has to be without him? 713-780-ESPN, HRP listener line, 713-780-3776. There's some advanced numbers that grade 
play callers in the NFL, and I don't know how they do it. But where does Bobby Slowick rank? Where do you think he ranks amongst offensive play callers in the NFL? One through thirty-two, one being the best, thirty-two being the worst. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN ninety-seven-five and ESPN ninety-two-five. Hey, before we go to the break, I know time is running out on the big holiday, but there's still time for you to be a hero in your household if you go to pajamagram.com. Because if you go to pajamagram.com and you're looking for something for your significant other, you know that the malls are going to be an absolute mess. As bad as they've been all holiday season, it's going to be even worse leading up to Christmas. You know that the parking situation, the crowds, the waiting in lines, the out of things is going to be a huge problem. All I'm suggesting to do is if you are still looking for that perfect gift for your significant other, go to pajamagram.com and check out all the different options and things that could make you a hero in your household. Start with those naturally nude pajamas. They are always a fan favorite. We talk about them and I talk about them every year on this station and they normally sell out. They're not sold out yet. But if you get to pajamagram.com and get the naturally nude pajamas, they are soft, supple. They are so comfortable for her to wear. She's going to love them and love you for getting them for her. And on right now, if you get those pajamas, they're going to throw in a naturally nude nightgown, a $75 value on top of it for free. Two for the price of one. So you actually feel really good about the purchase. And she's going to love both, so you're going to be a hero with her, not just for the holidays, but all year long. She's going to wear them for you. You're going to love the way she looks, and you know it's a gift that keeps on giving. But go to pajamagram.com right now because they normally sell out. They'll even wrap them for you, and hopefully they can still get them for you for the holidays. Just make sure that you verify that because they are getting they are going like hotcakes, but they're going to take care of you every step of the way. Pajamagram.com, naturally nude pajamas. They'll throw in the nightgown, and you'll be a hero in your household this holiday season. With a special purpose. What's happening to my special purpose? It's the Killer Bees, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5. 780 says, uh, is Whitmore not bought into the system or just a bad defender? He he is instant offense. Why can't he help the second unit? Where are you at with Whitmore? Well, you know what, Jeremy? I was thinking about it because his numbers have been great in the G League. But it's kind of like our discussions have been about Will Anderson Jr., Everybody adjusts differently to getting moved up to the next level. This is a young, young kid, and I think right away we talk about Jalen Green. We, I think, in my opinion, this was a kid that had a ton of success, always having the ball in his hands, and you know he believed that this was just another new name for a new league that he's playing in, but it was going to be the same way he was going to play, and he was going to have the same results. And I think it was a very harsh reality when he first got up to the, to the, to the NBA. He obviously can score the basketball, and that's not a problem. But there's so much more to it when you're an NBA player and you're in a in a system like Udoka likes to run on both ends of the floor. So I think that we already knew he could score. In order for him to be a piece the Rockets can count on and use, he's got to play both ends of the floor. He's got to understand his minutes are going to be far different than what they were at Villanova in the G League or anywhere else he's ever played. But that if he, again, in a different way like Jalen, accepts that when he's on the, the Rockets right now, he might get you know twelve minutes. He might get no play sometimes, and he might get twenty some another night. But if he can maximize while he's on the floor, playing the system both ways, I think that he there's a spot for him on this team. I was not expecting a Cam Whitmore to Will Anderson. Uh, well, you see what I'm coming from. Yeah, I mean, kind of. Uh, okay. I mean, Will Anderson was like an instant starter, whereas Whitmore can't can't crack the rotation. Right, but I'm saying people are critical of Will Anderson because he's not like blowing everybody's doors off. Like, Cam Whitmore was supposed to be a lottery pick in a lot of people's minds, but that expectation versus the reality of when you have so much to digest in the NBA for a young kid, 
the, the light might go on quicker for some than, than others, but I wasn't expecting anything from him this year because of that. Yeah, I'd like to see him get some minutes with the, the big team, uh, see, what he, see what he can bring to the table. You know, these backup, these backup guards that you're playing aren't – like you don't, you don't need to be giving minutes to Reggie Bullock, and I know he doesn't play every game, but I, I would like to see Cam get those minutes, whether they stagger when Whitmore's with the G League team, when he's up with the Rockets. Uh, you know, even Holiday. Holiday gets big minutes. Like, do we need to see Aaron Holiday get big minutes, or would you rather see 10 go to Cam Whitmore in, in real, like, NBA environment that's not mop-up duty? Uh, I'd rather see Whitmore. Just well, from that perspective, I think it might hurt you in the single game. It might hurt you right now on December twenty first, two thousand twenty three, uh, but it lets you know a little bit more what you have with Cam Whitmore, and I think it helps his development. Well, with that perspective, you also want to throw Amen Thompson into that too. I would like to see Amen Thompson get back to being you know, or get every opportunity to be the backup point guard. And I think then, he would. I think he would if he didn't get hurt and sick, though. I hope that's the case, but I also think that there is a, a way of thinking. That you got Holiday thinking that you might be able to flip him, so he's in order to flip him and have a little value, he's got to play. I, I think that even Reggie Bullock and, and guys like that, those are veterans that I don't think fit this team. I, I was a little perplexed when they brought Bullock in, but I think that there are veteran teams that might be interested in him. But I, you know that that remains to be seen. At a certain point, I'd like to see more run for both guys. I think you're right. I'd like to see Cam get get some run right now because they're having a tough time shooting and scoring the basketball, and that's one thing that looks like he does very well, even from three-point range, to where you'd like to see if getting that kind of run in the G League has got him to where when he comes in, he can be more effective and understand his role. That'd be great. 713-780-ESPN. So there's some advanced numbers. I don't know how they calculate this, but it says interesting look at offensive play caller rankings uh, from some analytics. They they use personnel and market efficiency with team constraints. It's all way over my head. I don't understand it. But whenever you look at the rankings, it makes sense. Like Kyle Shanahan's first. Okay. I would say that Kyle Shanahan's the best play caller in the NFL. Andy Reid's second. Okay. That seems fine to me. Mike McDaniel's third. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. So I'm kind of buying what they're cooking here. They list Arthur Smith as the worst play caller in the NFL. Okay, I, I can buy that. They list Bill O'Brien as the second worst play caller in the NFL. Again, I'm buying that. So it seems what they're doing is pretty accurate. How accurate? That's up for you to determine. But it seems pretty accurate. Bobby Slowick, who I think has been good, you know, Texans offense top 10. They've, they've gotten a lot better than they were a year ago, obviously. Where would you stack up Bobby Slowick relative to the rest of the NFL offensive play callers, 1 through 32? I, I think I would put him in the 15-16 range. I think that he's had some stinker games where, you know, you look at it and say, did he adjust? Did he did, Was his game plan the right game plan for some of the games that they might have laid an egg? Yes, but you can see he's more creative offensively that, you know, when he had all of his weapons, he, he, he looked like he really could drop a really good game plan week in, week out. I, I think it's only going to get better, but I could see him in the 16 range. Yeah, I would, I would have had him probably in the top 12. Like, if you would have pulled me before I looked at this, where do you think Slowick is relative to the rest of the NFL? I would have put him in the top 12. I think he's been good. Uh, I agree with your you know notion that he's had some stinkers. I don't love that he uses C.J. Stroud on quarterback sneaks. I hate that he used Tank Dell in the box to block. Uh, but I would, I would have had him in the top 12. This has him as the 21st ranked mm. 
offensive coordinator. That's that's below average. Yeah. That's the bottom half of the NFL. And I know that we we have some like vocal minorities that text us that um, I mean minority that they don't like Sloic because the majority of people do like Sloic unless your name is Joe George. A lot of people would say this that they see this as well. And I was caught off guard with where he ranks. I thought he would be top half minimum. I would have had him in my top 12. The fact that he's 21st is interesting to me and it kind of makes me Second guess the whole if he leaves to be an NFL head coach, how much of a hurt it really is for the Texans. Well, I think that, and I don't know all the matrix that they used and all the different ways that they they analyze this, but you look at it and say, is it is it points driven? Is it you know is it when they kind of get into the effectiveness? Because we know that those stinkers weren't great, but we also know that when he's good, he's really good, and a lot of it also depends on when you have the weapons at your disposal and everybody's healthy. Uh, but I was cu- I'm was i curious in a couple of points because when you said who was that rock bottom, I'll put Carolina in the bottom two or three. Uh, I-, I was curious where McVeigh would be because McVeigh is always a great play caller, but it depends on who he's got to, to use to, to, you know, well, apparently, to that, apparently this factors in your personnel. So okay. it, like, it factors in the personnel, so it kind of ranks them accordingly. Sean McVeigh is seventh. So yeah, cause, and I would have him in the top ten because – I still think he's one of the most innovative play callers in this league. So at least that that gives me more credence to it. Um, Carolina, I thought has been awful all year. I mean, year they're, they're six to worse. I okay, mean, that, but but their personnel also isn't great. You True, know? like they True. don't. Who's their best receiver? Who's their best running back? Bryce Young's a rookie quarterback, so that kind of factors Offensive in. Offensive line too has been garbage. So that factors in. Like he doesn't have a great personnel, so he's probably gonna get a little bit of like a graded on the curve a bit. You know what, Jeremy? I, I actually don't mind this though. If he, if if He's 21 right now. I think he's only going to get better. I think that this is his first year playing, you know, calling plays. Yeah. And, and, you know, with CJ's first year, D'Amico's first year, Sloic's first year, maybe that buys you. Uh, maybe that's the way the rest of the league sees it, too. Maybe that, you know, he's going to be around. I'd almost hope that this means maybe there's a better chance he's around for a couple more years because now they're going to get better together. They're going to, you know, capitalize and, and, and not make the same mistakes twice and learn from them. And I think that that benefits the entire franchise because even if you think he's not great and they can move on from him, I think that that's going to be a little bit more of a difficult situation for CJ. Not that he can't grasp it, but you'd like your quarterback to have the same system and terminology and everything in the first couple of years till he really gets his feet completely, you know, comfortable in the NFL. Yeah, yeah, that's a good that's a good point about that. And you know, here's your one. So you know, everybody else gets grades based on or curves based on being rookies. Maybe the play caller should as well. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN HRMP listener line seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. All right, bad take Boulevard. Uh, we continue our bad take Boulevard bracket as we count you down to a bad take Boulevard national champion. The bad take of the year. We continue it next. Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. Hey, holiday season means bowl season, means all kind of sports galore if you're a sports fan. And that means you need to go to mybookie.ag because mybookie.ag is prepared, ready, and will have everything ready for you so that if you're watching just a bowl game you have zero interest in, but you don't want to spend time with the relatives and you're already full from, uh, full from food, you can get on mybookie.ag and make even the most uninteresting bowl game a heck of a lot more interesting. And the games you do care about, you can let your passion flow or you can guard yourself against betting with your heart and making smart bets to make maybe make sure that you hedge it 
if your favorite team doesn't win. It's fantastic, and they take care of ESPN listeners all along the way. Use the promo code BET975, and that means that you're going to absolutely reap extra benefits because they take care of their customers that use their code. You use that BET975, and whether you're coming back and reloading your account or you're joining and signing up for the first time, you can get a match bonus right now. That means from $50 to $1,000, you put money in, they put the same amount to it. Your account instantly has more money in it that means more games you can bet on and more chances to win they also they have all the sports too it's not just about college football or pro football they've got nba basketball and college basketball they've got golf they've got i mean you name it they've got it pretty much and they've got in-game betting as well so there's always a chance for you to win and come out on the winning side also when games aren't going on Live dealers standing by with casino games like blackjack and poker so that they make sure they take care of you. Been in business for over a decade. Your money ain't going anywhere, and they're going to take care of you along the way. Use that promo code BET975 and do what I always tell you to do. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere. With the only place I tell you to do it, it's mybookie.ag. So many bad takes on sports. What do you do with all of them? Only there is something in your head to control the things you say. Well, the killer bees use them to build an actual street where they can get run over. For all eternity. 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 What's that street? Bad Take Boulevard. It is Bad Take Boulevard. He's blank on Branham. We've been doing a Bad Take Boulevard bracket where, look, it's getting close to the end of the year. You might have noticed that. So we've been putting together a bracket. Joe put together a bracket. He's getting input from the texters, the twitchers, uh, all of you, 713-780-3776, and we're playing down to one single Bad Take, the greatest Bad Take of the year. Joe, what's today's matchup? All right, so just to recap, uh, yesterday uh, we had a surprising upset. Twins fans chanting, we want Houston, took down uh, the Panthers taking Bryce Young. Today we have the seventh seed, Nathaniel Lowe of the Rangers, uh, going on television and saying the AL West was the Rangers to lose, which they lost. And then we have the two seed, Mr. Blankers, saying the Texans will have a top three pick. In 2024. Okay. Yeah, you guys were you guys were talking about, and Jeremy, you said yesterday you think you might win this thing. I, I think, think I, I will. Yeah. I, I think I might win this thing. Yeah. I, I think that I've owned it. I think that, you know what? I, I don't think that it was that outlandish at the time that I said it, but I was absolutely wrong on the fact that from the when we were making our preseason bets on the defense and the offense and where that this team might finish. I really didn't think that this was going to be the year, no matter how good everybody was, like D'Amico and CJ and everybody on the planet. Um, I actually thought that they were going to struggle this year to get wins. And so I was wrong, and I think that a lot of people are going to see that. Yeah. Um, I, admirable that you owned it. Doesn't make it any less funny. Um, the, the Nate Lowe thing to me, like this part of it, like he kind of got scoreboard at the end of it. Like, him saying that the division's theirs to whatever, theirs to lose, right, Joe? Says the AOS is theirs to yeah. lose. Like, yeah, they lost it, but then they won the World Series. So, like, how bad of a take is that? He got the ultimate trump card. He got the ultimate flex at the end of the day. So, it's hard for me to put low in this conversation. Uh, the Texans are potentially going to be in the playoffs. They're going to probably not have a top 20 pick. So, I mean, if if we had a say, I'd be I would pick Blankers as the less as the worst take of the two. Blankers take worse than Nate Lowe's take. I would take it as well. Well, and honestly, like I don't know if either of you guys are going to win this because I was pretty confident in my seating that the Panthers taking Bryce Young was good. And we all agreed on that yesterday, and then we saw it lost on social media and on the text line. So I don't know who's going to win this thing in the long run. I, I th- 
And Jeremy, to your point, like I almost left off Nathaniel Lowe. Because he does have the ultimate trump card. And that's why I think, at least for this matchup, it's definitely blankers. Like, yeah, I, I, there's no arguing it to me because I, the, when we were talking about all the different matchups yesterday and then I started looking at them, uh, I think we both had the same reaction, Jeremy, where you went, yeah, because he, he, they won it all at the end of the year and that matters too. So, you, you know, you might have want to throw it back at him and say, yeah, yeah, that was pretty stupid. You didn't win the division. But when you win the World Series, it takes a whole lot of the sting away. Which is the worst take? 713-780-3776. And who will be advancing to the semifinals? Uh, Blanker saying the Texans will have a top three pick in 2024. Now, he meant the Texans pick would be top three. Yes, yes, or, yes, yes. Or Nate Lowe saying the AL West is the Rangers division to lose. 713-780-3776. What, is the, uh, what does the poll look like, Joe? Uh, the poll says blank. Pretty overwhelming so far. We put it up a little late today, so it's a little light on the vote. So we'll take... Uh, text and uh, Twitch comments into consideration more today, but I think that we all agree that it's it's blank, and it looks like the, the Honey poll Glaze agrees. Branham disagrees. Honey Glaze Branham says Nate Lowe 100%. He wasn't talking about World Series. He said division, and they crapped the bet on the last series of the year. That's a fair point, and like, I think the one thing that hurts him is that the Astros, while they were losing to the Royals and the A's pretty consistently, the Rangers should have run away with the division. I mean, you can say the same thing about the Astros because they lost all those games, but they had plenty of time to win that division. They just blew it. They had, they had the best offense in, base, I mean, in baseball for most of the year until they suffered injuries, but they were rolling. And they were like 10 games up when he said it, too. Yeah, they were. So, like, it's not like they were like a game up when they won it at that point. They had a sizable lead in the AL West at that moment. Where is uh, Where's the Texans draft pick currently? Oh, boy. It's, probably in the 20s. I think yeah, it's like 24. Probably. Yeah. I was looking at a mock the other day. I think it was 24th. That's the Cleveland pick. It's 24. So no. the Texans are like 20, I thought. I thought they were a little bit further. I could be getting them wrong here. But, uh, I mean, the Texans pick's pretty high, too. I think you, by the way, Joe, I think you positioned this wrong yesterday. I oh, think, why? Because I, th- I think that it, instead of saying that the the Carolina Panthers taking C.J. Stroud, I think if you would have said that Cody Stutes was adamant that the, that the Texans needed Bryce Young, that, right. that might have been different. Look, we're going to just break fourth walls today, okay? We're going to tell stories behind the scenes. It's the holidays. I had a, a different seventh seed originally. 17th. Texans pick is 17th. Yeah, you're right, Joe. I, uh... Originally, I put Cody Stewart saying the big boys will handle this. Ooh, that was but, a good one, too. But he left on his own accord. So, I didn't include it. He's only $7.99 away from us. That's true. So, I didn't want to have any, like, off-the-air drama to deal with, any more headaches than I've had to deal with in the past, like, three weeks. So, I left them off. So, and I went with this one. With you know what else Daniel you said Lowe. you were going to do? I'm going to tag Salisbury and Clint Starner next week when we do it. I think it's next week. Is that what you were referring to, Jeremy? Uh, just now? Yeah, okay. it was. 8240 says blank. 8807 says it was theirs to lose, and they lost it. So, I guess he was right. That's <laughs> true. He was correct, so maybe it wasn't the ba- a bad take. He was, he was right. It was their division to lose, and they did lose it. It wasn't the Astros' division to lose. They didn't have the lead. So blank, blank moves on. Yeah, That's I think that the, I mean, sixty three thirty seven. You said was the vote right now. Yeah, yeah. Congratulations, Blankers. You won something. Appreciate it. Yeah. 
All right, 713-780-ESPN. Which of these NFL teams will have new quarterbacks in 2024? 713-780-3776. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. My colleague, Go Cougs, U of H class of 1990, has been protecting the interests of businesses for nearly 25 years. HRP provides comprehensive human capital management services, including HR compliance, benefits administration, and payroll. HRP will work with you to customize a plan for whatever your business needs. There's nothing cookie cutter about HRP. If you and your business need just a little bit of help, we'll ask HRP. If you need a lot of help, we'll ask HRP. Anything in between, HRP will create a plan, customize a plan, work with you to create this plan for whatever you and your business need. So that way you can get back to the important things for you, whether it's growing your business, other aspects of your business that you want to spend your time and energy on. Their customer service, second to none. You'll never talk to a stranger on the other side of the line. You'll be calling someone that is always familiar with your company. They're familiar with you. I can speak to that customer service. We use HRP here at Gal. Uh, anytime I have a question, usually an email from me, I always get a quick response, and it's always very easy to understand. Let HRP take on the demands of human resources and eliminate those HR burdens so you can get back to growing your business. Give them a call at 281-880-6525 and let HRP customize a plan for you. 281-880-6525. Or check them out at hrp.net. That's hrp.net. Welcome back, Houston. These guys missed you over the last break. It's the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. He's Blank. I'm Branham. It's back again, the ESPN Listener Christmas Party. Uh, join us tomorrow for our annual Christmas party shenanigans. The party will be all day at Nick's Place, starting with John and Lance, uh, all the way through the Killer Bees. Joe in for me tomorrow. You won't want to miss any of it. Come early and stay, let, uh, stay late. And as always, wear red. Uh, which of these teams, Blankers, will have new quarterbacks in 2024? This conversation kind of changes every single week, uh, depending on performance that previous week what about Arizona Kyler Murray current quarterback has a huge contract you know there was thoughts early in the year maybe they don't even play Kyler Murray all year Uh, they just lose a bunch of games and then draft Caleb Williams where do you stand on it with three weeks left in the NFL season I think he's going to be back I I think that they're going to try and put more weapons around him but I think that from the time he came back they were a different football team we said it when they played the Texans because he came back and he had an impact, and and there were all those different you know rumors swirling, and because of his health and because of everybody and the stories coming out about his lack of preparation and not doing film study and not doing all these things to be a good teammate, and obviously his body language sells has sold out teammates in the past. I think at the start of the year that they were planning to move on if they possibly could from Kyler Murray. But the combination of that being a really tough contract to move and the fact that when he's been on the field, he's shown he could still play this game at a pretty good level. I think they're gonna. He's gonna be back. I, I lean pretty heavy no on this too. Um, I, I think that Kyler Murray's gonna be back as well. It will be interesting if they were to somehow get the number one pick though, because right now they're a game ahead, I guess, of Carolina. Arizona's three and eleven. Patriots three and eleven. Carolina's two and twelve. And we know that the Bears own Carolina's pick. If Arizona gets the number one pick, I would be curious because now they have a decision to make. If you're picking second or third, there's really not a decision. I don't think they're going Drake May over Kyler Murray. 
But if the decision's Caleb Williams or Kyler Murray, I think that they have a pretty tough decision on their hands. I think it's one that they would consider, but I also think that the way Caleb Williams' second half of this season has gone mm-hmm. has changed a lot of people's... Remember now, he, w- he might have been the next coming of Patrick Mahomes starting the season, and everybody was hyper-enamored with everything Caleb Williams, and I think now you're seeing a little bit of what Kyler Murray got dinged for in Caleb Williams. The best part of it is if you could find someone to take the contract and you knew you were getting a guy on the cheap for multiple years as you rebuild that franchise. But other than that, I I think that they changed their tune internally. I'm guessing, but I I would think they changed their tune internally a little bit on the fact that Kyler can still play pretty good for them if they just put pieces around him. It does seem like the luster has fallen off a little bit from Caleb, but he's still the consensus number one pick. Mm -hmm. So, like, it's just not an overwhelming, or the the gap between one and two isn't as great as we thought it would be a year ago, but still the consensus number one pick. Uh, What about Atlanta? I mean, Current starter, I guess, is Taylor Heineke, Desmond Ritter, uh, new quarterback in Atlanta next year? for sure. The question I think here is more, do they go with a young guy or do they go with a veteran? That, that to me, is the question in Atlanta, not will there be a new starter. Yeah, look, you know, in the last offseason, there were veteran opportunities where you could have said, and especially when before Lamar signed his deal with Baltimore, a lot of people thought Lamar was a great fit for for Atlanta. Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how, but you said it right, said it best when you are rotating two quarterbacks, that means you don't have a quarterback and they've got a ton of weapons to deal with. And whether it's Arthur Smith to blame or not, there's too many weapons on that team to not have a quarterback that could maximize it better than what they got. My prediction is Ryan Tannehill. I think Ryan Tannehill will be the next head coach or the next quarterback in Atlanta. If Arthur Smith is still there. Because they've had they've ties together, back yeah. in Tennessee. Uh, look, Tannehill's an upgrade over who they've had there mm-hmm. uh, the last couple of years. What is that saying much? No, it's a low bar. But it does make them a little bit better. And they're like on the cusp of being a playoff team in a bad division. And with the talent that they have, you know, maybe you go a Ryan Tannehill and you draft like a project rookie third rounder, you know, something like that. Because uh, they're, they're not going to be drafting high enough. Like they're six and eight. Like they're going to be outside of the top ten, right around the top ten. So now you're looking at either you make a trade up for one of the, the, the dudes or you trade up for the Heisman or you draft the yeah, Heisman, like, like if the Heisman falls to you. so Or yeah, or later on, if you're going to take a flyer like Bo Nix and Penix or, I mean, who or if, if Sanders comes out, and I doubt he will with the money he's making at Colorado. But, yeah, you're right. You're going to take a project if you're going to take him lower than probably 12. Chicago. I, I oh Boy, Joe's the expert on this. I – I, I honestly think that they're going to stay stick with uh, Justin Fields. Yeah, I think they're going to stick with Fields too. I, it's so hard to say because, like, how do you stick with a guy that on average throws less than two hundred yards? They're a run oriented team. I know, but like, System I just two. I just don't really figure out. Like, I can't figure out what they're going to do because to me, the the easiest and, and maybe the most simple solution is fire your offensive coordinator. But like, I don't think I trust Justin Fields to learn a new offense. Yeah, and like, you're going to pass on C.J. Stroud. And Caleb Williams? See, system matters, mm. but at the same time, it makes it difficult when he's about to get paid, right? Where they got to start paying him some money. If he's get that, that's where you reset the clock because their defense has looked better. It looks like they've got they're they're putting more talent on the roster again. If you add Caleb Williams and you can find a home for Justin Fields, and maybe Justin Fields fits Atlanta, then maybe you've got a trade partner and you reset the clock on how on that quarterback situation when you got to pay him. Yeah. See, I could. Um... I, I, to me, it's going to depend on the coach. Like, if they're making a move at the coach, like, I would imagine that the coach is going to want the pick 
number one, and he's going to want a quarterback at number one as opposed to inheriting fields. So I think the decision comes on what they do with Eberflus. Well, like if you're Ryan Poles, you you were given Justin Fields. You didn't draft Justin Fields. And if you don't start winning, you're going to lose your job. Mm-hmm. So do you want to lose your job without ever taking your own quarterback? Does he survive this in order to have that decision to make? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they have a top five defense in the NFL right now based on, you know, the last like six weeks, seven weeks of the season after they traded for Montez Sweat. So, like, I think he's done a really good job drafting overall. And, you know, the DJ Moore trade has been good for them. Obviously, they're going to get the number one pick and they have DJ Moore. So I think he definitely survives. But, like, I just I can't imagine knowing that my job is nearly going to be on the line within the next two years if this team doesn't start to win and never taking my own quarterback. Yeah, that, that that's fair. That That's another reason why he should – he has a bargaining chip to say he should survive, but I think that you get, if you bring an offensive-minded head coach in, then I don't know that Justin Fields survives. Yeah, it depends on who that coach is, too. Like, if it's a – if it was Shane Steichen, mm-hmm. I think Steichen would love Fields. If it's Ben Johnson, I think Ben Johnson's going to want a very precise quarterback who's very accurate with the football. If it's Bobby Slowick, I think Bobby Slowick type is going to want a very accurate quarterback – that's precise with the football. So that, to me, is the first decision they have to make. And I bet you that they dangle that you know option to their coaching carousel to, or their coaching candidates, too. Hey, you, we really like you. What are you going to do? We'll let you decide on what you're doing at number one. Kind of like I, I think that the Texans did that with D'Amico a bit. Hey, we yep. have this pick. D'Amico, we're going to do what you want to do. Like You use that as a as an endorsement, as a recruiting pitch to these uh, to these coaches. we got a lot to get through. I, I know the other quarterbacks, but I would just add to that, though, too. It also could be a trick question from ownership and the general manager because maybe they already have a preconceived notion that they want to go one way or the other. And then if you're a coach, how do you answer that, right? You, you, you want to be involved in the decision, but it's also, is it going to be held against me if I say I want to go with Fields and he's going to cost more money? Yeah, yeah, the money aspect, I think, is a really good point. Uh, Russell Wilson. I don't think they have any choice, do they? I mean, with I the amount of money either. that they owe him, they got to bring him back. Well, I think you, I think there's an out. I think there's an out where you can get out of it for most of it, but he's been playing pretty good. Yeah, and like he's they've also played themselves kind of what we were talking about with Atlanta even better than Atlanta. They've played themselves out of like serious quarterback range, at least top quarterback range. Where earlier we we're like, oh, Denver's going to lose every game because you know Sean Payton wants to take for Caleb Williams. Uh, I think they're I think they're committed to Russell Wilson. I think in a lot of ways they're they're they are hitched to Russell Wilson. I don't think there's any way that they're getting out for next season, no matter what. I think he'll be back. Yeah, I think that he'll be back uh, next year as well. Uh, the Raiders, their current starter, Aiden O'Connell. Yeah, That's a no-brainer. They're going. They're going with another quarterback, one way or the other. And whether you know Davis wants a sexy name, and they're going to see who's out there in free agency, or they just play it smart and start trying to groom another quarterback along with. O'Connell. I think they're going to have another quarterback next year. Yeah, I, I think that they'll. I, I lean quarterback too, even though O'Connell's been pretty good. Like. At least, let's put it this way. They'll bring in another quarterback to compete with him. Yeah. That one's tough, though, because I think they're going to kind of be out of the range to draft a guy, too. I think what they want to win, and, you know, Davis is always, you know, like his dad with the just win win baby, but the Garoppolo experiment didn't work out on trying to spend money and bring in a veteran to save the day, nor did his head coach. And, again, this might come down to your point with the Bears might be similar to the Raiders. Whoever they bring in at head coach is going to be heavily involved in a lot of things, and probably the first thing that they talk about is what do you want to do at quarterback? Uh-huh. Uh, Minnesota. Because of the injury and because of how bad they've been since he left, I, and I, th- I really think that they like Cousins as a coaching staff. I think Cousins is going to be back there. 
Yeah, see, this is kind of a trick question because they list their current starter as uh, as Nick Mullins. Yeah, their starter next year is not going to be Nick Mullins, but I think their starter could currently be within the organization now. I, I think Kirk Cousins is back there. I, yeah. I don't. It doesn't make sense for me for like Kirk Kirk Cousins going to somewhere else. Like he he kind of was good. he was really good in that offense. Was having a really good year and had a good year last year. Uh, it's going to be hard for Minnesota to bring in a quarterback as good as Kirk Cousins. And I also think you can get Kirk Cousins like on a two year. Maybe this like, is at worst case scenario a three year deal. So it's not where you're hitching your wagon to a quarterback long term, anyways. Yeah, this is the perfect storm for the part all parties involved because if you bring in a new quarterback, it's going to be tough with the new system, everything like that. But you're going to be starting from scratch. But because Cousins is not going to get what he would have otherwise gotten on the open market or have teams interested in him because of the injury. And also from a Vikings perspective, instead of probably having to pay him multiple years at big money, if you even thought about bringing him back, you can probably get him at a short term, more inexpensive See, deal. I don't think it'll be inexpensive. I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna command a decent AAV, decent fine. But he's but not gonna break the bank, term. and yeah. I don't think it'll be long term. Exactly. Now, I mean, I don't know. Like Kirk, I think Kirk Cousins would be if Kirk Cousins like entered free agency. He'd probably be the most attractive free agent quarterback because there's not many great ones. Like Baker Mayfield is a, potentially a free agent at the end of the year. So I think if Kirk like wanted to make tons of money, I think he could. I think that there are going to be teams, well, maybe for a year or two, but I, I, I think because of the injury, teams that might have been maybe more all-in or closer to all-in on a Kirk Cousins deal for, you say, four or five years at the kind of money that he was looking at, I think the money's going to come down, and I think I, the term is definitely going to come down until everybody sees how he recovers from the injury. Yeah, I don't know about the money, man. Like, like so many teams are quarterback like starved and desperate for quarterbacks that I could see a team that's on the cusp with a really good roster that is a quarterback away giving Cousins a big deal for two years, you know, because he's he'd be the best one they could potentially get. Now, I do think he likes it in Minnesota. I think he and O'Connell have a uh, have kind of a good grasp of each other and what they want to do. He's a good fit for the offense. I think O'Connell likes him. How can O'Connell not like Cousins? He's had to mm-hmm. do with Dobbs and Mullins all year long. So I, I don't see Cousins leaving Minnesota. Uh, Don't you year. also think Justin Jefferson would rather see Kirk Cousins at this point than what he's what he's looking at right now? I or? don't know. Remember, he dogs Kirk Cousins all the time. He said he was saying good things about Justin Fields a couple of years ago over Kirk Cousins. He's also had a really good start to his career with Kirk Cousins. I know, but he still dogs Kirk Cousins. You tell me why that makes sense. It doesn't. I agree with you, but he still dogs Kirk Cousins. Kind of ticks me off. All right, it's going to do it for me. I'm going to go over across the street, call some uh, Houston Cougar basketball. Uh, I'll be out until, I don't know, someday next week. So you, all of you have Thursday. a good Christmas. Good Christmas. Yeah, Thursday. Have a good Christmas, Blankers. Have a good Christmas, too, George. Have a good Christmas, uh, Hive. Uh, Joe and Joel will take you the, uh, the rest of the way. Free agent watch for the Houston Texans. The boys will discuss next. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.